Wicked Grounds. Recorded live at Wicked Grounds Cafe, San Francisco. Good afternoon and welcome to a special afternoon edition of the Wicked Grounds podcast. This is Psycho Kitty Ryan, your host, and join me with the ever-lovely... Hello, this is Rue. Nice to talk to you again. And we have a very special guest today, a very fabulous guest. Let me introduce Peaches Christ. Hi. So glad you can join us at the cafe today. Thank you for having me. I, it sounds like you were just waiting for our invitation to come check out Wicked Grounds. You know, I, I've been waiting for years. I've been curious about Wicked Grounds Coffee Shop for years. So this was, uh, this was the push I needed to come on in. and Shame on me for not inviting you sooner. <laughs> Shame on me for waiting for an invitation. You know, <laughs> it's open to the public. It's a free country. So we have people that listen from all over and may not be as familiar with the fabulous work you've done in... I've used fabulous too many times already. All right. Uh, work that you've done in San Francisco and, you know, with all the performance work that you do here. You know, blow yourself up a little bit. Okay. Well, those people are idiots. They just haven't traveled yet. They're ignorant, but not idiots. <laughs> I'm totally teasing. Um, so I am a drag performer uh, who grew up uh, worshipping cinema, mostly cult films and midnight movies and Moved to San Francisco after graduating from film school and uh, got involved with a local drag cabaret scene here, formerly called Tranny Shack. And, uh, and an offshoot of Tranny Shack was my event called Midnight Mass, where we celebrated cult movies with a big drag queen produced um, spectacles that, that are send-ups of the movies we love. And that show was called Midnight Mass because I really think about, you know, movies the same way people think about, you know, God or religion. So Midnight Mass was really about celebrating and worshiping the things we loved, which were movies. And, uh, and so that was in 1998. And for years I've been doing this. Um, and I'm also a filmmaker. So I've written and directed films as well. Um, so I'm, I'm a drag queen who's very well um, immersed in the world of movies. A visual drag queen? Yeah, I mean... You guys are staring at me right now. I mean, you can't believe the size of the wig I'm wearing <laughs> or the uncomfortable heels I have on. You did duck to come into the cafe. The giant, and yeah, the court. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and for a lot of work. And actually, I, I did a uh, short stint. Back in back in Chicago, I actually did drag for a while. Oh, wow. Um, Is that where Psycho Kitty comes from? Psycho Kitty came from a lot of performance. That's my, you know, this, that name I've been using on stage in both uh, male dapper and fabulous female. Uh, I gotta stop using fabulous. Uh, it's a good word. It, it just fits so it is. well. It is. You know, it, it's better than amazing. Yeah. Mm. Everyone says amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so fabulous. Let's bring fabulous back. So <laughs> I, it's kind of. I went to a party the first time in drag to a friend's house and just testing the waters. Two weeks later, I was at a show at the Double Door in front of 500 people in a review. <laughs> wow. And uh, I was, w- was working at uh, Nocturna, which was one of the, uh, one of the country's longest-running goth nights. And so that was an easy transition place for me to be comfortable. And, you know, so I was a little, you know, goth queen. Ah, that's <laughs> fantastic. Well, I mean, I definitely, my, my early drag years were all goth. 
and Peaches Christ was all mm. about being um, offensive and sacrilegious and sacrilegious, a sacrilegious, oh, and yes. certainly um, <laughs> I always love that word. Celebrated a lot of gore and uh, religious iconography, um, and I, I guess you know in some ways Peaches still is that you know at at the core of what I think of myself as the character, but um, I've branched out a lot more. But it used to be just totally goth, and it was all blood and guts, every drag number. I used to get chainsaws from the hardware store. <laughs> we would rent, I'd rent them, actually, down the street, just from here, over at South Van Ness. And, and I'd Is that say, uh, give me action the, rental? Maybe. I don't <laughs> forget what it was called, but I would say, please give me the biggest, gassiest, loudest <laughs> chainsaw you have, and um, take the chain off. And they would say, why do you want to... And I'd say, oh, I'm a drag queen who's doing a number tonight over at the stud. And they thought it was hilarious, so they'd fill it up with gas and... I'd go to Tranny Shack and rev that thing up, and you know the entire audience would kind of, you know, <laughs> lucky we didn't have a trampling, you know, or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I personally do not have any experience being a drag queen, <laughs> but I was raised with um, my mother doing hair and makeup for a bunch of people who would walk into the house, just regular average Joes, and walk out prettier than. Disney princesses. Oh, that's fabulous. That's all my entire childhood was like that. <laughs> that's drag. It was awesome. I mean, I think of everything, yeah. every kind of bit of costume and makeup oh, yeah. and hair. Yeah. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. we call we call it drag. And certainly in the San Francisco drag community, mm-hmm. um, it's not limited to a man yep. dressing up as yep. a woman. Yep. You know, you've got um, every, every gender um, mm-hmm. expression dressing as whatever other mm-hmm. gender expression they want or even just being glamorous or over the yeah. top can be drag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there you know, I got uh, you know, friends of mine that are female body that still do female drag as opposed to female body doing drag king. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, some family great performances over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the winners of the Miss Tranny Shack pageant was a, a cisgendered female who mm-hmm. was playing a female drag queen. Oh, wow. And it was, like, real controversial mm-hmm. outside of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That was what was interesting. Like, Tranny Shack had become this international phenomenon that people had, you know, sort of followed and pe- other drag communities were interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the bubble of San Francisco, like, of course Phonique could win. You know, mm-hmm. she's just as just as valid, as, and she deserved to win. She had the best number. Um, so in San Francisco, it wasn't controversial, but other places, it was really a big deal. Like, how yeah. dare they let a woman win the drag pageant? Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, she Why was not? the best queen, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of understand where you've got these less bubbled, isolated communities that they're trying to band together and rally the wagons around to protect themselves and, not, you know, and be a little isolationist and it's kind of sad <laughs> yeah no, the, well, the, and the, then of course you know someone like the coquettes for example you know do do drag but they don't shave their beards mm-hmm. and you know I'm sure it repulsed you know more I traditional square queens you know because yeah. um, well John Waters talks about you know my idol Divine mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. you know she was uh, repulsive to square queens mm-hmm. in, in Washington D.C. like Divine would show up wearing you know dresses that a fat person shouldn't wear mm-hmm. you know having wigs that you know um, a sophisticated woman shouldn't you know wear yeah. and and of course we know now that because of Divine doing that it changed everything mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. so it takes someone to push people off yeah to change you know things for everyone else 
So uh, we were talking a little bit before uh, before we got things started, and you've been to the building before. Even you've never, you know, this is your first time in Wicked Grounds, but you've been here before, and you had some great stories about the <laughs> the old place. Yes. Well, I mean, of course, it was formerly notoriously the, Hole in the, the Wall, wall. Uh, which has moved down the street, but. Uh, we, we try to build on that energy. Just we let a little bit more light in, so it's a little different. It's a little, it's a little different, and in some ways, it's much the same. You know, because um, I think both both establishments celebrated perversity, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and this coffee shop, you know, certainly feel like you can um, be uh, free to do pretty free. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and have a fantastic salad. Oh my god, that was so good. <laughs> so, oh, that's right. That's. Uh, this is the first podcast we've had since we've expanded our menu, just to take a little plug for the cafe, but we've just, like, that's a new item as of the oh. beginning of the month. Well, may I recommend <laughs> the chef salad with the honey, wait, maple mustard Maple mustard dressing. dressing. Delicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I used to come here back in my drinking days. We talked about how I, I don't drink any longer, but um, back when I was a young queen trolling around south, south of market, um, it was, it was, the, the, the places I did the most drinking were uh, my place, which is over on Folsom Street, now now gone as well, and uh, Hole in the Wall, which was here. And uh, oh yeah, I've I've, uh, I've seen um, you know a guy in the trough in the in the men's room who I, I'm pretty sure I might have peed on. Um, <laughs> be know. rude not to, right? Yeah, it would be. Yeah, of course. It's like you know. The opportunity's there. Yeah, I mean, he didn't yeah. accidentally lay down in the trough. You know? <laughs> oh, where am I? What <laughs> yeah. is this? Um, but yeah, this was a fabulous uh, gay, you know, um, biker bar. I mean, mm-hmm. that was what was so cool about it. It was almost like, um, and I, and to be totally honest, full disclosure, I haven't really been to the the new one because, again, I, I stopped drinking, mm-hmm. you know, in two thousand two. So um, I, I I'm not in in the bars as often as I right. used to be, mm-hmm. um, unless you're on stage. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go, but I usually get bored. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, speaking of cult movies, yes, how about we? Because we love to nerd out here at yeah. the Wicked Grounds well, podcast. I'm a nerd. I would love to hear maybe like a top three cult movies Ooh, of all time. That's oh my god, that's very very hard. In no particular order. Well, no. <laughs> uh, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, uh, choose John Waters. Almost any of his old movies mm-hmm. as being incredibly influential and favorites because <laughs> I grew up in Maryland and uh, being a kid who went to Catholic school in, in Maryland and um, feeling really repressed and alone mm-hmm. and queer and weird. I wasn't mm-hmm. just queer. I was like weird, queer. You know? <laughs> quick, quick side note question. Yeah. Uh, co-ed or single gender? Co-ed. Thank God. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. So all my friends were girls. I went to all-male Catholic high school. Oh, wow. So, no, I, but I was you. told by a nun. <laughs> I was told by a nun um, that part of my problem was that I, I hung out only with girls. You know, oh, like, yeah. They were, they were pretty problem, openly right? homophobic. Yeah. Um, and I was <gasps> obsessed. Yeah. Oh, never. They were, they were, you know, I mean, hello, Peaches Christ, all these mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it was terrible. Um but they uh, definitely inspired me to, you know, rebel. And so discovering um, John Waters and Mink Stoll and Divine and all these crazy people who are literally making movies like, like where my grandparents lived. And, you mm-hmm. know, Baltimore was really close to Annapolis where I grew up. And um, it, it felt like it was happening in my backyard. It really changed everything for me. So I would say Female Trouble mm-hmm. or Pink Flamingos, one or the other, probably um, as... as 
as one of the top three. And then uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, because as, as, as popular as it is, it does not stop being fucking amazing. It doesn't. I'm allowed to yeah. cuss on oh. this, right? Oh, yeah. Fucking okay. yes. Fuck. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rocky Horror Picture Show, the music. I mean, I was just reading where they're, they're going to represent Shock Treatment as a stage show in London. And, and, and thinking about that sequel, you know, to Rocky mm. Horror, Shock Treatment, and how ahead of its time both Rocky Horror Picture Show and yep. Shock Treatment were. Richard O'Brien is such a genius. Mm-hmm. The kind of trans issues he was, like, bringing to the stage and yep. to screen, you know, with, with themes like Don't Dream It, Be It. I mean, mm-hmm. just amazing. You know, completely classic and brilliant and just amazing. So those would be top two. And then for a third one, I know this is going to seem out of left field, but the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Um, is one of my favorite films. I mean, I just, you know, I, I probably have 20 favorite, favorite, yeah. favorite yeah. films. Yeah. But that one I think is so especially special because mm-hmm. it's so bizarre. And, and, and I remember watching it not really getting that it wasn't a documentary because it looked so gritty <laughs> and terrifying. And Leatherface was so fascinating to me. And, um, and so that kind of, like, brutality with humor mm-hmm. and camp, you mm-hmm. know, because it's really campy. It is. Um, I, 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 you know, I really actually, those would maybe be three of the favorite movies, but I could go on and on and on. <laughs> I mean, we could definitely go on and on and on yeah. too. I know that I watched the movie Troll 2 for the first time last week. Uh-oh. Oh, you had never seen it? No. And well, I that's thought, a classic, yeah. I, yeah. I was thinking to myself, if I was eight or seven or eight years old, I would think it was scary. Really? Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Now, have you seen the documentary about it? No, I have not. Okay, you have to watch that. It's called (laughs) The Best Worst Movie. (laughs) And it's the kid who stars in Troll 2, the protagonist, the young boy, Mm -hmm. grew up to make a documentary about being in the best worst movie Mm -hmm. ever made. So you really should check it out because he's so, he's he's really compelling and the film is Mm -hmm. really good. It really goes into sort of the fan culture and worship of this film and I got to do an event with them a few years ago and I just really liked their whole mm-hmm. you know attitude you really need to sh- I will. check I'll that out so yeah. um, I forget is it house or troll that has the quote I don't know about you but I'm listening to the tree oh um I don't, I don't know that quote I saw that as a you know in high school and stuff and I always held on to that quote and I don't remember which my guess would be Troll 2 only because it, a tree figures into the yeah. finale mm-hmm. so heavily. And I can't remember House having a House prominent had, tree in it. Yeah, because House had a uh, great American hero actor whose name I can't remember. Oh, I'm thinking of House, the Japanese film. Yeah. No, I'm th- the, okay. the old, like the late right, 80s. Right, right, right. Oh, God, I don't remember. Oh, well. Not important. It was just like the, the talking about troll made me think of that quote, and I was like, "Wait, is that from that movie or this movie?" That's the other problem. Everyone expects me to have all this sort of trivia, mm-hmm. and because I'm in the business of celebrating cult films and have done so many of them, but over you'll the know years, everything about everything. that. I actually yeah. like. I think sometimes my brain has hit overload, and I'm yeah. like, "What? What are you talking?" I'm like really stupid sometimes. So I think um, we all have those moments. Yeah, I just, um, you know. I don't know. I have a million favorite cult movies. That's the problem. <laughs> so, um, on the topic of like films and art and all that stuff, do you have a love for musical theater and all that as well? And where do you? What are your t- favorite musical theater things, like shows or? Productions or whatever. Well, not surprisingly, the Rocky Horror Show. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And I tend to really be drawn to those kind of rock opera type mm-hmm. things. Like, um, and a lot of that musical theater stuff is still through cinema. Yeah. You know, like my yeah. entrance into it is cinema. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up um, being a show tune queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that stuff. But, you know, I had other friends who were really into Phantom and mm-hmm. Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. And, like, but I was more into Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, you know, I love that. I yeah. love it. How did you feel about Hedwig? I loved range. Hedwig. Yeah. I, I think that's ahead of its time, especially. Oh, so genius. Mm-hmm. You know, John Cameron Mitchell um, is uh, such an inspired yeah. artist because, you know, he's an actor who grew up um, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know if a lot of people know his backstory, but, like, he was on an 80s sitcom called Head of the Class. I don't know oh, if yeah. you remember that. Yeah. And he was one. Of, he was a series regular, and mm-hmm. he had a Hollywood career and comes from a Hollywood family. And um, at, a, at a certain point... He decided he was going to create this drag persona mm-hmm. and started hanging out at the Squeeze Box in New York at the Pyramid Club. And that's actually the New York kind of version of Tranny Shack. Mm-hmm. They were the ones doing the sort of irreverent pop, punk rock drag. Mm-hmm. John Cameron Mitchell went there, watched a bunch of queens, met Jane County, met, you know, trans performers mm-hmm. who were doing drag, you know. Um, and created the Hedwig character. And I just love it because it comes from a real place of, like, he dove into the subculture, Mm -hmm. and it came from a real place. This wasn't, like, a Hollywood person who was exploiting the community. He became part of the community. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then took his sophistication and his acting chops and his background and turned it into, you know, Hedwig. Yeah. I can definitely see that becoming one of those... Uh, productions that could be like have Rocky Short like like Rocky Horror has the the nights where they have yeah. it on I could totally see Hedwig becoming that oh as yeah well. no it happens yeah. it, it already has shadow yeah. casts That's and all awesome. that yeah yeah, yeah 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 I mean not not to the extent of Rocky I think it probably nothing will ever yeah Rocky's oh, no, got no. a unique little following and, and I think it, yeah. I also think that um, Rocky hit at a certain time where you needed that bonding community that in this day and age with all the electronical connection, it's a lot easier to find that community. So you don't need to go be at the 400 theater at midnight mm-hmm. up in uh, Lakeshore and see Rocky Horror with a cast and throw toast at each other because we have so many more outlets. I don't think that, that ro- the Rocky phenomena will like, yeah. I mean, there'll be shadow casts, but that whole, the weight of Rocky, I don't think it can happen again. Not now. Well, it's so weird to see how Rocky, continues to live on Mm -hmm. and I think part of it's that there's what you're describing where it's going to be hard to have a new Rocky Mm -hmm. but then on the flip side um, people really need authentic experiences they need to get out from behind their computers and go out and like do something and be with other people so Mm -hmm. there is still this need for the nerds and the freaks and the goths and the weirdos to Mm -hmm. sometimes you feel like the whole thing is more for them than it is for the audience you know which I have sometimes I have a problem with because I'm like no this isn't just one big inside joke with your shadow mm-hmm. cast. Like, like include everyone, include yeah. the whole room. But there's definitely a, a spirit of, um, well, otherness that still, you know, these kids need to find each other. Yeah. And Rocky's still mm-hmm. that place. I don't know. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's no longer that desperate place. Right. That, you know, there's so many more venues, more avenues, you know, more places to connect online than that can transfer to real life. And, you know, more coffee shops like this one. Yeah. (laughs) On that subject of, like, things changing and community actually coming together, what's changed for for Peaches from the beginning of your time as Peaches to now? Well, one of the... More color if you're less goth. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And uh, certainly, um, 
because I, because I'm in film exhibition. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I built the whole thing on, and being a filmmaker, but like primarily as far as my role as Peaches Christ as cult leader goes, <laughs> it's um, is there a class for that somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm going there tonight. Um, <laughs> Cult leader class? It, yeah. It's, uh, oh, right. Cult leader class. I should do that next. Um, <laughs> it's uh, been interesting to see that uh, these films that used to be so special and really only screened at midnight. You know, mm-hmm. the first ever Midnight Mass I did was a film called Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Kill, kill. And, uh, and you know, I did a Tura Satana lookalike contest. And, you know, it was a really special screening because mm-hmm. this is a black and white Russ Meyer film that, you know, Ross Meyer Productions distributed. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, on television. It wasn't on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't exist on the internet. Like those. It was 1998. So part of the appeal of coming out and seeing the movie at midnight was like you needed to go see it at midnight, yeah. and you needed to go see it this way. And now everything's available. So it's an interesting thing where where over the years the way that I program mm-hmm. films as a cult phenomenon has really changed. One thing that I've noticed. Um, in, in the 2000s was that I had to start tapping into something that I call the nostalgia film. And the first mm-hmm. nostalgia film I, I screened was, I would think, The Goonies, because oh. it was a movie that people grew up watching Identified over and with. over and over again. And that really changed, like, mm-hmm. for me, you know, now I screen a lot of nostalgia films versus, you know, the more um, rare cult movies. Yeah. And it's because these kids grow up watching them at home over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And then what they want to do is worship them mm-hmm. with a community of people who are like-minded mm-hmm. and have a, a shared love for these How many things. videotapes we have played to death? Or- <laughs> and oh. that's just me getting older. You know, yeah. like that's me aging alongside my audience and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's it's actually... It, so, so things have changed for sure. Yeah. But um, in some ways it's, it's for the, the better? same. Do I think it's for the better? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying that to be one of those. Change bad. You know, it is well, hard. I mean, I used to. We remember the, how the length that you had to wait to even get something on VHS. Oh, I know. And yeah. now you get it. What a month after it's out of theater. And you can get that straight to your computer. You don't even have to. You don't like, even have to video wait. Video stores. Yeah. yeah. Video stores. I used to, going to Blockbuster used to be like awesome. Yeah. On oh, Friday night. No, agonizing. Actually, of course, you know, we sound like old people at this point. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But that—that's the thing, you know. So I just have—I've I've decided, okay, I'm just going to like evolve and and mm-hmm. figure this out because the the business I'm in really at the end of the day is is creating an authentic experience for people to have in real time yeah. and to come and celebrate. So so hopefully maybe with some of those old movies that mm-hmm. we would hope could you know have a life um, beyond uh, their years, like whatever happened to Baby Jane or. Um, Faster Pussycat Kill Killer some of the older films that mm-hmm. I really really love Sunset Boulevard mm-hmm. like maybe with this accessibility you know kids will find them but I don't know I don't yeah. know we'll see a maybe. lot of it has to do with what was shown on cable television over and over and yeah. over again mm-hmm. that's what I'm finding like when I did Hocus Pocus last year oh that's my all time favorite too oh, no. well there you go because you grew up watching it yeah. right so I as a 40 year old mm-hmm. gay guy saw it because Bette Midler was in it when it was released yeah. in the theaters and I remember thinking this is stupid mm-hmm. you know what I mean and like not even understanding it mm-hmm. it wasn't until as a as a, a drag performer who celebrates cult movies who's been asked mm-hmm. by people to show this movie over and over again that I sat down and rewatched it and I had to learn like what it was and yeah. I realized oh my god this is a movie about kids uh, being introduced to drag the first time mm-hmm. that's what this is yeah it's it's you know it's there it's your version of Elvira oh, I grew yeah. up watching Elvira or I grew up watching Pee Wee Herman oh well, 
kids who grew yeah. up watching Hocus Pocus, like it is drag for mm-hmm. children, basically. Mm-hmm. And then I then I loved it. And then I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah, definitely. I'm 26, so Hocus Pocus was definitely is still one of those movies I have to watch annually. You know, just yeah. like The Goonies. I still, I mean, even now I watch Pee Wee Herman like every day. See, I'm gonna I'm, follow up with you later and mm-hmm. ask you to send me a list of your favorite movies. Oh, I, I mean, will. literally, yeah. that's what I do. I am now. such yeah. a 90s movie. Person. You know, I, I mean, just did just... Romeo and Michelle. <laughs> well, this should, this should tell you, Labyrinth, Legend, and uh, Princess Bride. Oh yeah, those are those are tried and true, and, and, and it tells you fact, my age. Yeah, you're closer yeah. in age to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I know that for me, like Hocus Pocus was woof. It still is one of those really awesome movies, and I'm actually disappointed because I heard there's they're making a sequel of The Goonies, and that's another movie I grew up on, just like The Sandlot. Uh, yeah. So the Goonies sequel has been rumored for a long time. Ooh, Ooh I don't want to give anything away, but I'll tease this. I know that if you're a big Goonies fan, something exciting is coming to San Francisco early next year. Mm-hmm. I think the press, well, whatever. It, you'll you'll hear about it soon enough. Right. <laughs> it's not my. It's not for me to say because it's not my event. Yeah. And you know we're, we're a nice coffee conversation. We don't need to be breaking news here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I don't want to get in trouble. But maybe a little gossip's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Goonies gossip, though. That's one of those things I saw, and I was like, why do they have to go there? Just let it be. Let it well, be. Hocus Pocus is also another one where Bette Midler is uh, stirring up kind of an internet campaign to get a Disney to uh, do a sequel, which is, you know, hilarious, because she, you know, notoriously didn't like it for years. Yeah. Because it was, you know, uh, sort of panned, like mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. cult movies are. And uh, now she's embracing it, which yeah. is great because it's the fans who've shown her, like, no, we love this and we mm-hmm. love you in it. So, yeah. Uh, one of the things we were talking about a bit beforehand uh, so was uh, you've been in San Francisco for, you said, 18 years? Yeah, since 1996, whatever the math is on that. And so there's been a lot of changes in this yeah. city. And more than once. It's like you know, what, like what are some of the things that? Because I've only I've been in town for nine years, and I've seen some transition. Like just you know, the South of Market neighborhood is different from when we opened up the cafe five mm-hmm. years ago. But like, what are some of the things that, like, for good and for bad for you? Because you've got uh, a great perspective. That's a really good question. It's definitely a tough question, and it's certainly not a very safe question to answer <laughs> right now, because no matter how you answer it, you're not going to make everybody happy. There's no, no real easy answer. Yeah. Um, I would say that, yeah, like right now is a real, it's a real divisive time mm-hmm. uh, for the city because of all the money and uh, the tech stuff um, happening, which which everyone, you know, is very aware of. And especially, I think, in the last year or two, more than any other time, we've really seen it affecting, um, you know, what we thought were institutions, mm-hmm. things like the Lexington Bar, a yeah. long-standing oh, lesbian man. bar. You know, and the mission closing, like, that was really painful for a lot of us. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't drink at the Lexington mm-hmm. Club every weekend, but I certainly loved knowing it was there and loved yeah. knowing that there was a place you know, um, that my girlfriends could go to mm-hmm. and knew, knew how important it was to people. And they were actually one of the first yeah. bars that let me go in and shoot when I had no money and needed locations. You yeah. know, like, they were very community-centered. Um, and, and I think because of the time right now, well, like, we've talked about other businesses closing mm-hmm. over time, but I think this year, things like, like, I went away and did a UK tour in October and came back and there was no Guardian. Yeah. What? Yeah. The independent newspaper is just gone. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was only gone for two weeks. 
you know, The Guardian was who sponsored Midnight Mass back in 1998 when mm-hmm. nobody else would. They would come and they would actually recruit personal ads. That's how old yeah. I am. <laughs> you know, this is before Craigslist. So, like, they would, they would help people create their personal ads for the back of the newspaper. And The Guardian was our really, you know, politically liberal, um, independent, fantastic culture, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it was a great newspaper, and, mm-hmm. and for it to just disappear overnight was really devastating. Yeah. So I think right now, more than the first big boom with tech, um, this feels like a little more permanent, mm-hmm. and um, and like we're really the, the stakes are high. You know, yeah. we're, we're really losing. A lot. Um, like, now, yeah. that's the bad side, right? Right. And then, of course, our friends and mm-hmm. family who've been pushed out, you know. And let's face it, when people move to Oakland, it's not like moving to Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people want to make that comparison. It's like, no, there's no it's L not, train that, yeah. that runs 24 hours. It doesn't take five minutes to get to down, you know, to, into San Francisco. It's yeah. like, you know, so when someone moves to Oakland, you know, yeah, it's right over the bay, but it, it's a loss because it, it's a it's a it's a lot harder for them to come over here and do stuff. And let's face it, they're making you know <coughs> making art and doing creating a scene over there. Yep. Um, which maybe you know good for Oakland. It, it can be a good thing as well because you know maybe that's uh, you know a, a positive. I don't know. Of course, but there'd it's be people also, that argue it, that it's a negative. But it, it's also I mean like you know Oakland just lost the Uptown, which was like you know one of the what. The Uptown? The Uptown Bar? Yeah. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was at the last hubba there. When huh. I, and that's when the guy didn't pay his taxes. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they got a business. It wasn't okay. like they pushed out. He never paid his taxes. He never paid his taxes. Well, then he's like Lyft and Uber. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and why, you know why, why should he be pushed out? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! See, this is why I get in trouble. Yeah, it's okay. You can I be went, in trouble I went, here. You know, also, you know, the, on the on the flip side, it's like there's there are uh, more people in San Francisco than there's ever been before. People mm-hmm. like myself who who are creating um, bizarre. You know, I do I do drag sketch comedy mm-hmm. parodies for cult movie audiences. Mm-hmm. Well, like I've sold more tickets this year than any other year. You know, like. That there is a good side for us, you know. That well, it's it's like it's a catch twenty two. Like on yeah. one hand, I'm very upset about some of the changes, and and on the other hand, um, I'm trying to make it work. I'm not ready to throw in the towel. Like mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to have to be kind of optimistic and, and sort yeah, of I'd, figure out how to I mean, make it work. I I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, my mission of keeping this cafe going is very much along that line of me putting my mouth my money where my mouth is or actually <laughs> obviously I didn't come into the cafe to make money <laughs> I made it to make the space <laughs> but to keep you know to keep this space open because it is so vital to people and just the same you know I have to keep going but uh, we were talking earlier there's a couple of places that have passed have gone that were like you were telling about the tea room. Oh yeah, okay. I was like, yeah. this is something that I didn't. Why did I not? I've been here nine years. Why oh, hadn't yeah. I heard about this yet? This sounds you, amazing. Why did I miss this? You should look it up because you would, and I should introduce you to David. So one of the first, because we were talking about cool coffee shops mm-hmm. and how great I think Wicked Grounds is, and and Hot what blush. a fantastic uh, uh, place it is, you know. Yeah. And it's more about people and community and a space for you know folks to gather and, and how when I moved to San Francisco I was like Dorothy you know arriving mm-hmm. in Oz because m- much like 
you know, a lot of people who show up here to reinvent themselves and to find their 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 um, alternative persona mm-hmm. or their freedom or whatever. Yeah. You know, but very quickly you come to take certain things for granted because exactly. you live here for a year or two and you take things like the Folsom Street Fair for granted or this or that. And how Hayes Valley, where I live now, um, when I moved here in 1996, it was this amazing um, hodgepodge of um, junk shops and um, black soul food restaurants. Mm-hmm. There was a place called Pal's Place, like right next to where Stax is now where they sold, you know, um, great soul food. And they, they um, aired actually kind of like this. They had a radio set up in the back of the restaurant where they did gospel um, radio oh, wow. out of the wow. restaurant. So you could go in and get, like, your fried chicken and your collard greens, and, and you know, they'd be doing gospel radio. And you go down the street to um, Mad Magda's Russian Tea Room, mm-hmm. and Magda's kind of reminds me of Wicked Grounds. It was long and narrow, mm-hmm. and it was this, this coffee shop owned and operated by Mad Magda, a drag queen who had one giant tit. And it was sort of fused together in this sort of um, Chernobyl accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, you know, her picture hung on the wall. Actually, her picture, like the big giant painting was outside of her. (laughs) And it was right there on Hayes Street, you know, one of the bougiest streets now in town. And uh, you'd walk in and there was a tarot card reader always right at the front. You could sit down and get a reading. And there were always bizarre, you know... um, performance artists and drag folks working Mm -hmm. behind the bar sometimes you didn't know who worked there (laughs) or who was just sort of you know hanging out there Mm -hmm. um they'd have really crazy like you know art shows and performance art and i think i took it for granted that that kind of san francisco place i mean it was quintessentially san franciscan right and now um and and marlena's was down the street you know kind of a, a neighborhood drag bar in hayes valley and if you were to come now and, and walk around Hayes Valley, especially with Twitter being, you know, in our backyard, I mean, basically Twitter, Hayes Valley is now kind of the Twitter playground in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's sort of been interesting to see, um, you know, you tell people these stories, you know, like the psychic eye was this giant, weird psychic emporium on Goff and Fell. Um, and nobody believes you. They're kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. What do you mean trans hookers used to hang out here? What do you mean <laughs> you, you used to be worried you'd get mugged on your way home? This is Hayes Valley. It's like, it, is, it was very, very different only 15, 16 years ago. So at one point, was, it, was Hayes, like, I know Polk Gulch was a neighborhood. There was a lot of hustling going on. Did, that, did both happen at the same time or did one transition yeah, to the well, other? When, so that was Hayes Valley when I moved here. Right. And it was very eclectic. And also, you know, I would say that more than anything, it was it was a black neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you really, you know, but everyone sort of um, coexist. You know, the drag bar was there and it was very much like small town drag in the sense that it was like a lot of pageant queens and really fabulous lip sync artists and really like girls who'd come out. But like everyone kind of coexisted, you know, in this way that was... Um, very San Franciscan, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and while that was going on in Hayes Valley, Polk Street was kind of seen as the original Castro. Yeah, I, you know? I knew that. Yeah. It, it was, basically it was the, uh, as Castro was, like, it, I know there was a transition between the two, but. Even in the mid-90s when yeah. I moved here, like, if you walked up and down Polk Street, let's say from, like, I don't know, where the cinch is now, mm-hmm. down to, you know, um, I don't know, O'Farrell. It was like, there's a gay bar. There's a gay bar. There's a gay bar. Mm-hmm. That's a drag bar. Oh, that's a trans hooker bar. Yeah. This is this is another. This is a you know, a bar for male prostitutes. I mean, that was yeah. that was like, 
That was the strip. That was the polk. It was yeah. the strip, and the hustling was happening all around yeah. on the streets. You know, like the male hustlers were everywhere. Many of whom were, you know, friends of mine who would do drag later at night or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, people kind of paid their rent in all sorts of alternative ways back then. And, uh, you know, the, of course, the internet more than anything, I think, kind of killed that scene. And then the neighborhood just changed. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go over there now, it's like uh, on a Sanitized. weekend, it's like. Well, it's like a big frat party. Yeah. It's like, what is this? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> was it uh, Hemlock, right around there. Yeah, it's that all... used to be the giraffe, which was super gay. <laughs> <laughs> the Hemlock, when I moved here, you know, we used to go there and play pool, and it was a, a, a really, really Nelly gay bar called the giraffe. <laughs> and so when I walk by the Hemlock, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the giraffe. Yeah. It's, you know, but I, I again, if, you, if you're going to be sad about it... Um, and, like, I have some friends who are really miserable over all the changes, mm-hmm. especially the more, more recent changes. Yeah. Um, I think maybe, you know, if, if you can't kind of get on board or find a positive side to it, it's probably best to leave. I mean, yeah. I hate to say that because it sounds so dismissive. I don't mm-hmm. mean it that way. It's just more like, you know. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up and, you know, hear these stories from you about this past is not to go gnash my teeth at where it's gone now, but to celebrate it. And you're like, I, I'm sorry I missed it, but it sounds like it was great. And it's part of the heritage of this city that I've, you know, I've, like I said, I've been here nine years. This is, I don't see myself moving to another city at this point, especially after I've poured my soul into this little brick and mortar. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I, I definitely want to celebrate what's happened and, you know, keep it alive. If, if in, not in brick and mortar in memory. Well, that's the thing. I think like uh, what, what we could do is sit around and talk about how fabulous things used to be. But yeah. what's really important is to look around and a- acknowledge how much incredible weird shit is still exactly. here. Mm-hmm. And actually and, coming through the woodworks, new things as And well. people are still moving here, yep. yeah. you know, and they're making like, I don't know if I, you know, w- if I were in the same position I was then where I moved here with one way plane ticket from the East Coast, no money, no job, no yeah. place to live. Um, I certainly don't advise you young people out there to do that um, yeah, necessarily. S- SROs aren't as cheap as they used oh, to be. No. But the thing is, <laughs> kids are still doing it. Yeah. You know, and they I find did. us and they find me and mm-hmm. we put them to work and we get them. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm blown away by the, the amazing, you know, the audacity of yeah. these young people who are willing to, um, you know, just to rough it and, and to make it work. So it's not like... You know, San Francisco is not over. And the other thing that I think is worth mentioning is, unlike Manhattan, uh, where when when the East Village was really, you know, steamrolled over, mm-hmm. um, and, and New York and that island became an island for the rich, Wall Street had no interest in drag. They had mm-hmm. no interest in art. They had no interest in, you know, keeping that culture alive. And I don't think that that's true of tech necessarily. I think that... A lot of the tech folks who are moving here and paying ridiculous rents actually want to go out and see a drag show mm-hmm. and actually want to experiment at a kinky coffee shop. You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, We're I don't talk- think it's the same thing. And th- there's a lot of great things still going on, like, you know, body storytelling. Yeah. That's it's fantastic. Love bo- Dixie and body. And so like, you know, there, there is still vibrance here. So, I mean, I absolutely agree with you that, you know, celebrate the past, hold on to what's keep going and, and celebrate what's we got. And a lot of the young people are really inspired by those stories of the past. Like mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, um, people who hear like, or see the documentary about Tranny Sheck or whatever. And, and it, and then, you know, you go out and for me, I'm always like really blown away when I see some young queen do something that I've never seen before. Cause yeah. I'm like, 
I've seen it all, you know, you know, and then, and then I go out and actually go to some new show or whatever. And like, it's like, oh my God, you know, no, there's still like all this creativity and all this innovation. And these kids want to, you know, have their, you know, place at the table and they deserve to, and and they're fighting for it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, was it about a year ago now that there was the name controversy? Oh no, that was much more recent. You mean the Facebook name controversy? No, not oh, not the Facebook, but Tranny Shack name. Oh, that controversy. Oh, that's yeah. been going on for a while. I would say, you know, like uh, when Tranny Shack um, started in in '96, um, it was a very insider, you know, thing. It was a tu- it was it was Tuesday night at midnight at the Stud, and so it was performers performing. For performers, you know, mm-hmm. like like everyone in the audience was in drag, and you yeah. know we were all performing for each other. And the word "tranny" uh, was not um, seen as a pejorative it's amongst evolved. our friends and another, family. Another evolution that's happened, exactly. Yeah. Like, and it's been really interesting. And at, at some point, I think Heclina, who who's the hostess and creator and founder yeah. of Tranny Shack, and really the person who's been um, carrying the torch, you know, for all these years. Um, and she and I have stayed very close friends, and we work together all the yeah. time. Um, you know, she knew that it was becoming a pejorative and that mm-hmm. it was bigger than us. And yeah. that even though the original at- intent of this thing was the exact opposite, it was all about being inclusive. And my God, Tranny Shack used to be, I mean, talking about every different kind of trans person was there. Mm-hmm. It was really like, like everyone was there. I mean, you could yeah. be anyone, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're talking like the straight you know, guys who are transvestites who come with their wives or not with their wives or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like everyone, yeah. it, sometimes they may watch the show or not watch the show. Sometimes this more interesting show was happening in the back of the bar, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it, well, that's really what it was. And, it, and the name actually was born out of an apartment where, um, a transgender woman, a uh, friend of ours, a drag queen friend of ours, and someone who's kind of in between those, those two identities lived three people. And mm-hmm. the apartment used to be called the tranny shack. And so it was a it was a it was a playful, loving, respectful term yeah. uh, for these friends. And so when it turned into the name of a nightclub, no one could have imagined it was going to become an international phenomenon that would last yeah. for years and years and years. I mean, Heclina didn't, yeah, Heclina didn't think it was going to become a brand, so no one took it seriously. There mm-hmm. were no board meetings to decide <laughs> this sort of thing. It was market rock. research. Yeah, there was no market <laughs> research, and no one I don't think could have predicted. You know, oh well, this word. You know, this word is going to come to uh, trivialize people's experiences and be seen as this is the word that people are going to use to Mm. hurt people. No one knew that. Um, But I I, I agree with her that that at some point it was time for her to let go of it because it was bigger than us and it had had, had come to mean this thing um, that was ugly and Mm -hmm. and had come to represent... um, something on its own that was not the intention of the club. So there are a lot of people who are upset, I think, you know, mm-hmm. about her changing the name because they're very attached to that experience in history. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think for her, if you're going to move forward, I think it's smart. I think she's accepting. I mean, I, I have a show called Tranny Dearest mm-hmm. that was a, a parody of Mommy Dearest. If I, <laughs> if I, if I remount that show, I won't call it that anymore. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that, 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 show was created and titled that years ago Mm -hmm. um and and it was never meant to be offensive that way it was meant to be tongue-in-cheek and you know we used the word tranny to refer to drag queens Mm -hmm. that's the other part of it like 
my transgender friends like Veronica, I would never, <laughs> it wasn't, we, it was a different, um, different time and it was a different take. So the, the vocabulary has changed. The vocabulary has certainly changed. And I think, you know, I, I would rather listen to people who say this is offensive and, and hear them mm-hmm. than yeah. say, no, it's not. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if someone tells me that they're offended, then I'm going to listen, you know? Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, you can't please everybody with... You cannot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, that's the thing. For me, I'm in the business of being offensive. Yeah. So when Christians tell me that they're offended, yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, so... It, it, but when my trans friends say, you know what? I don't yeah. like this anymore. You know, yeah. like, you know, we... There's a we closer list, community. It, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really specific people mm-hmm. um, coming out and um, talking to Hecklina and, you know, and I think it's great. I think it, it's like, you don't want to be that old fart who's you know, using an outdated term. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time though, it really, it's sort of sad that words like that had to become something that was negative and yes, which is, that's, I think that's all, that's really tough in itself as well. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I love, I love um, like kind of tracing the history of it. And I actually think that um, some of the blame can be placed, believe it or not, on um, Project Runway and uh, Christian Siriano. Yeah. As much as I, I think he, his intentions were never to be um, hurtful necessarily. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because he was on a national popular television show, it brought what was an insider's term, an underground um, slang word, mm-hmm. you know, to the masses who then misinterpreted yeah. it to yeah. mean transgender woman. Um, and used it that way mm-hmm. and, and, and in an ugly way you know yeah. they never said it as a compliment you know mm-hmm. you didn't use it then to compliment mm-hmm. someone and so then it was no longer ours you yeah. know it had been stolen from us yeah. um, so it's a kind of interesting when you look at like oh god mm-hmm. reality TV now can really affect the way but this is normal for language yeah, yeah, like, d- you know, yeah. language evolves yeah it definitely does I lived in Hawaii for a really long time and they the like transgendered community is actually really large in Waikiki, Oahu area, and the the hateful words that have developed because of military surrounding. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's ugly. I mean, especially for me having to be in the military and you know being supportive of LGBTQ and having to listen to that. I was just like, oh no. Yeah, and that's like, awful. Ugh. But Hawaiian culture is actually really fascinating. Oh, it is because you know. Uh, from what I understand, it's one of the few cultures remaining that still, um, well, let's say Hawaiian people, mm-hmm. Hawaiian culturally, mm-hmm. uh, who are supportive of children and trans people from a very, very young age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I don't know, I forget what it was called. That's why I was sort I of stuttering. I was thinking they, some people have children and don't even give them a gender. They're just like you, you're going to grow and be who you want to be. Yeah, I saw this great documentary is, recently where there's a school that's a. Uh, a Hawaiian culture school yeah. where um, the kids, when they when they um, divide up between mm-hmm. boys and girls, then there's the um, undecided. Which I think so is they, great. they actually have a yeah. you know here's the boys, here's the girls, and here's the undecided. And there's no stigma. And yeah. There's no the kids don't care because they're not yeah. taught to hate. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just an interesting you know. I think it's, it's a great. more evolved yeah. way to deal with things. Definitely, definitely. So we're actually like running out of time. Wow, that was fast. Yeah, it was. And I did want to actually talk about the Facebook. Did you have much rough with that, or did that hit you? No, I was. uh, I was kind of. I kind of felt a certain amount of guilt about it (laughs) because um, I actually um, uh, kind of 
accidentally had been doing it exactly the way that Facebook wanted people to do it. Yeah. Um, but that was because I had signed up for Facebook under my um, Joshua Grinnell name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um because I really thought of Facebook, I, I had MySpaces for peaches, you know, when, yeah. when I signed up for Facebook. <laughs> and so I was making, I was starting to make a movie. I, I'm a filmmaker and I made a movie. And so I thought, oh, I'll do this as my, my um, boy name, mostly mm-hmm. because I wanted to reconnect with old friends and stuff. And yeah. then what happened was people then knew my name because of being a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And so I was out on tour with the movie and um, so Peaches fans were very aware that they could find me Mm. on Facebook through Joshua and so um, I ended up really early on creating a public page for Peaches Christ Mm. on Facebook which Mm. is what they wanted which of course means they can monetize it and you know and yeah I pay for advertising here and there but I didn't do that on purpose I wasn't I wasn't working the 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 Facebook plan because I certainly stand by anyone who wants to be online with any name. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of felt guilty because I'm like, oh well, I'm not really losing my account. In fact, I'm actually doing it the way they want you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality of it is, I do live my day to day life as Joshua, yeah. and I did direct that film as Joshua, and I do perform as Peaches in a mm-hmm. public way. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really made a lot of sense because there's two different. For sure. Yes, With Hecklina yes. and other friends of mine, whether they're in or out of drag or any, any combination between, that identity, I never call Hecklina by that other name. No, Ever. Yeah. I never other would. other name. You know, because... <laughs> Because it's not her identity, yeah, you know, whether yeah. she's in or out of drag. Same thing with mm-hmm. Sister Roma. I didn't even know Roma's name. I've been friends with Sister Roma for 18 years. Yeah. So <laughs> when they forced her to put that other name out there, it felt dirty. It yeah. felt wrong. It yeah. felt embarrassing. Like, I was embarrassed for her. Mm-hmm. It was just all the emotions I felt were, like, yeah. so obvious to me that this is so wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then when Roma kind of, um, Roma really led the fight and... And rallied the troops and said, you know, I'm standing up for not just drag queens, but whoever, burlesque performers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, or anyone any, who needs any, to s- keep themselves safe. Well, a lot of the, the people. people who changed their names were victims of domestic violence. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, or teachers who, yeah. you know, maybe had a kinky life they didn't want their students to know. But, you know, yeah. like, there were a million reasons. And yeah. when Roma led that charge, I remember thinking, this is, you like, this is futile. Like, you know, they're never going to get Facebook. I mean, I was in the windmill and then they did it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how amazing Mm -hmm. is it that Facebook comes out and not only did they change the policy, they apologized. Yeah. Mm. I don't even think that had happened before. Mm -hmm. No, they they weren't based in San Francisco because Facebook's still in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Well, they weren't in the Bay Area. I wonder if they would have been so... uh, Well, the girls went down there in full drag, you know, and Mm -hmm. had a meeting with Facebook and then they were super pissed off because... They felt like the meeting was just, you know, um, just like, uh, PR people yeah, blowing smoke yeah. up their ass. So, of course, then the girls go back to City Hall and have a giant par- uh, press conference. And I was actually out of the country watching my friends on nice. the BBC, like, stand, so, you know, going, <laughs> nice. oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. And still thinking, they're, they're not going to change it. This is a company that has a billion subscribers. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is a group of drag queens. Really? They're going to change their policy? Like the smallest percentage two of people. weeks later, yeah. I'm at City Hall listening to this Facebook guy, like, third down from Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. apologize to a group yeah. of drag queens. And it was 
amazing. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's kind of one for the history books. And not to toot the drag queen's horns, but I do think that in a lot of ways, when you look at Stonewall and you look at queer history and you look at, you know, it's oftentimes the, the clowns and the, the people that are the most out there who have the least to lose, who yeah. are willing to show up and fight for you. Mm-hmm. And um, once again, I think these, you know, Lord knows it is not fun to get into drag in the middle of a day and drive to Palo Alto, you know, and fight for your name. But yeah. they did it, and, yeah. and good for them. And it was amazing and inspiring and further proof that San Francisco is uh, long from being over. Oh, no, <laughs> you know? so long. <laughs> yeah. It, There's it, still much hope. It, yeah. It, yeah, and the fact that Facebook is a Bay Area company, I think it might be why there was more. Um, you know, because they actually described some of the things that were going on in India and how this this policy exists for, for security reasons that are much larger than we're realizing. It was kind of an interesting dialogue to hear both sides of it. And uh, at the end of the day, the fact that it, um, that it worked, you mm-hmm. know, is really, I mean, it just kind of a, definitely gives us hope. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on a larger scale, too, because if Facebook can take a step back and apologize... Yeah, like how amazing! Like that. Hopefully, that snowball keeps rolling. Yeah, it was really cool. (laughs) And then it's kind of like Sister Roma and Heclina, and everyone just went back to being who they were. And the other great thing about it was there wasn't um, that sense of you know uh, a performer or an entertainer using this cause to Mm -hmm. further their own promotional. um, It was was a genuine cause, and it wasn't like just uh, self exploitation. Totally, Mm -hmm. and that completely came through. Like Roma was so authentic, you know, and. And, uh, God, I love the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I mean, one of the reasons I moved here, you know, hello, Peaches Christ, Midnight Mass. I mean, I was really excited about a group of men who dress as nuns and and do it to um, be activists. You know, the amount of money. They blessed us when we opened the cafe. Oh, did they? Yes. Yeah, I'm a saint. (laughs) Um, They they sainted me a few years ago. And, you know, I've won awards from the San Francisco Film Society and mwah, mwah, mwah. You know, the De Young Museum did something for me and... Um, and I'm very flattered, certainly. You know, I teach at San Francisco Art Institute. It's kind of like bizarre and weird and amazing. But I'll tell you, the only time I ever cried was when I was sainted by the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence because that, to me, was the biggest honor. I oh, moved yeah. here a kid yeah. who was in awe of what they did and mm-hmm. the history they've created. You yeah. know, they've yeah. run for public office. They've, they've done more for AIDS activism. And they've, they've created out. an international... They are... Yeah. Yeah. That so, was, yeah, that was my definitely, I I made it to San Francisco. Is when I saw a sister crossing the street on Folsom. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Here when I When you see them just just walking around. Like the, I mean, you know, again, that's that's a, an only in San Francisco you, you type you thing. Need the yeah. wimple, you need the wimple chart, though, to know where yeah. they're from. Yeah. Yeah. I, love, I, love, I love that bit <laughs> of minutia is that every region has its own wimple. Yeah, yeah they do. They do. And I've, I got, I was in Belgium once doing a, um, an event where I got to introduce Les Sœurs Perpetuelles Indulgences, which is the, the sisters from Paris. Oh. And what was amazing, don't tell the San Francisco sisters I said this, but the sisters from Paris are couture. Oh. You know, they are, they are, I mean, their habits and their looks and their, I mean, they are fucking fierce. I mean, you know, ours can look a little rough around the edges, you know. Uh, there's a little, yeah, those a little are, hippie the, nun going on. <laughs> <laughs> they're battle warriors, though, they're, obviously. Yeah. They're ready to go in for they, the... They, for but they could use some yeah. Febreze, yeah. you know what I mean? Here and there. <laughs> yeah, you know, for, for more of the vintage fabrics, you want to do a, a vodka spray. A vodka spray. <laughs> I mean, there's some, there's some sisters um, I'd like to give some of that vodka spray to. But, you know, in, in Paris, it was so cool to see they were Parisian sisters. You know, they had yeah. 
yeah. uh, real fashion sense and yeah. their makeup was but you know the sisters any sisters anywhere I mean you know there's sisters in Guerneville now mm. you know it's so surreal you know they're all over so yeah they're, they're I mean that's and you, have you ever seen them on a bike I was in San Francisco once and saw one riding down the street on a bike and I was kind of like okay that's like right out of Tales of the City like I just had that, that nun on a bike oh I think in Tales of the City they're on roller skates but you know same yeah. idea well, I know that you needed to run kind of soon because we're just about at five o'clock. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming out. Thank you uh, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And you'll have to come back and visit us more often. I'm going um, to. I mean, in the future, if you want to come back on the show, let me know. Okay. Yeah. I'm madly in love with Wicked Grounds. Aww, <laughs> it's so weird being here and doing a show and there's like crazy activity going on. <laughs> you guys should see it. I'm sitting here in full drag and... Someone's getting whipped while they drink an espresso over in the corner. You gotta make sure they don't <laughs> spill the dog bowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Wicked Grounds loves you too. Thank you. <laughs> so this is Psycho Kitty. And this is Little Rubik. Thank you for joining us. And thank you so much, Peaches Christ, for Welcome. gracing us with your fabulousness. Yay! Bye-bye. Toodaloo. Bye-bye.